0: I want to speak on about Satan don't let him stop your race. Satan don't let him stop your race. The greatest day of your life is when you receive Christ as your Savior. The greatest day is when you realize that you were that sinner and there was nothing of yourself you could do about it and you had to look outside yourself and outside yourself you saw that Christ loved you enough that he went to the cross and died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. And that day, you believed in your heart. It wasn't just a fact of a head knowledge. Well, i not know that was for me, and it went to your heart. That's when a person believes. That's when a person is saved. And after you get saved, you begin to notice something real quick you begin to notice there are different levels of Christians. Uh, they're not all uh, Holy Joes, right? <laughs> uh, you have some at salvation level where they've gotten saved and they're happy and they're trying to reach other people with the gospel. And then you have a stage where they come along and they want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And they realize The only way to do that is to die to self and allow Christ's life to live in and through you. And so when you do that, you begin to put off our carnality, and we begin to put on spirituality then. We put off the old, we put on the new, and we become stronger in the Lord. And then finally, you get to a spiritual point where you're mature in being able to deflect the attacks that the devil and his demonic forces send our way. It's called spiritual warfare. (laughs) And that's when you have the ability to stay faithful to God and trust God through all that he's throwing at you. And by the way, the devil doesn't want you to be successful. Uh, He wants you to fall. He wants you to fail, doesn't he? It states in Ephesians 4, 27, Paul says, "...neither give place to the devil." And it's easy to give him place when we don't live for Christ. He has the place. If you let him in the window, it's not long. He controls the whole home. And then the Bible states in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, He doesn't like believers. Uh, He wants to gulp us down, in a sense. And he wants to just take us off the scene if he could do it. But, of course, God is higher power, and we're grateful for that. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And he wants to get an advantage of us so that he can control us and make us not live for Christ. And he works with his demonic forces. He works through the world. He works through our flesh to try to make us remain at salvation level, to try to make us remain of not ever growing in Christ. And he's really, really good at that. Now, how does he get us there? Now, the things I'm going to mention are so simple, so old hat, yeah, but it's real in all of our lives. What he does. First of all, he gets us to neglect God's word. He wants to get us away from us having our devotions, our time with God. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against him. So if he can block that word, then maybe I could sin, right? And then it states in Ephesians six sixteen, he says this above all take on take taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And when you put the shield of faith, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And you put that shield up through the word of God of faith, you can withstand the attacks when they come your way. Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation In the knowledge of him, you get that wisdom revelation through the knowledge. Where do you get the knowledge from? You get it from the word of God. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians 3, 9, and 10. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now let me just stop there. The mystery is the mystery program, the dispensation of grace, that had been hidden to the world from Satan all through the Bible until God reached down and touched one man. And that man was Saul of Tarsus, who became the great apostle to the Gentiles called Paul. And God revealed to him what the dispensation of grace that we live in today is all about. That is the wisdom of God. And then he says, "...which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the heavenly people, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church." The church reveals this wisdom of God to those heavenly bodies today. Angels look at us, and they wonder. They look at our salvation, and they say, how can it be? Uh, And so it's interesting. But he tries to get us to neglect the Word of God. Secondly, he gets us to neglect prayer. He wants us to become self-sufficient. And if we have self-sufficiency without thinking we need God, we have little intimacy or awareness of God's presence within us. They say little time with God equals little strength. And that's why we fail so often, because we have little strength. We're not in the Word. We're not on our knees. And then he gets us to drift from church. He wants us to become hit and misbelievers. There's that old saying, you take a piece of coal away from the hot coals, the fiery coals, and it will lose its heat. I've told you before, I like the movie, forgive me, Green Lantern. I just like that show. And how many of you have seen Green Lantern? Anybody here beside me? A few of you, but he had that ring. And he just touched the green lantern, and it recharged his whole body covering and so on. It was a great thing. And you know, that's the same way way with us. Us in a church, when we touch the church, we get re-energized. We begin to have more intimacy with God, and we are more accountable. And it's great to be part of something that's bigger than we are, And to experience God that way. And then he wants us to get us to not serve or be involved in anything. He wants us just to take it easy and ride along and just be idle. Oh, let other people do it. You know what I mean? Just let them do it. Isn't that when David got in trouble? When the kings went out to war, he stayed behind just took it easy. He happened to go up on his rooftop and saw a nice-looking lady, and that was history. Then John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was in prison, not out doing things, not involved, he began to question, are you the Christ? And so idleness will work, and the devil works on our mind then. And God says, stay faithful, steadfast, until he comes again. Amen? Amen. And then he gets us to lower our standards. A lower standard affects us all. And if you don't believe that, our country is beginning to set the lowest standards of human living that our country has ever seen. And it's affecting us across the board. (laughs) And it's an awful thing that we're seeing take place. Uh, Isaiah 5, they call evil good and good evil. And that's what's taking place in our country even right now. Uh, Some people's view, by the way, of the church is help me, bless me, serve me, be the parent over my children spiritually. Well, it doesn't work that way. We are to be the spiritual leaders ourselves, aren't we? And we begin to lower our standards. And when we begin to compromise, we become carnal, And, you know, it's at that time you can really begin to see the difference between a lost person and a saved person. But when you see a Christian who becomes carnal, it's hard to tell them differently than from the lost people. And today it's hard to tell if people are Christians or not just by the way that they're living today. They have one foot in the church, one foot in the world, And when we do that, we lose our testimony, our credibility within and without. God says, listen, I want you to be holy. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Come out from among them and be separate. What does light have to do with darkness? He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, your being set apart to God, that ye should abstain from immorality, fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. God says, listen, I don't care what the world does. You don't stop and drop your standards. Amen? Amen. And then the devil, he gets us to become carnal. Thus, we become critical and negative. You've been around those Christians. They walk around. They're always complaining, always griping, unhappy, about something and all that does is divide and divert destroy discourage you know the early church when it was attacked from without they flourished but when they begin to have problems within they begin to crumble and divide then satan he gets us to lessen the consequences of sin how many times do you hear preachers even talk about sin anymore? Have you ever noticed that? Something's gone, gone wrong, that's for sure. But he gets us as believers to rationalize our sin. He says to us, in a sense, sin is fun. You need, and sometimes it is, I understand that. Live a little, no one will know. Oh, that sin, it's not that bad. But God says we will reap what we sow. Be sure your sin will find you out. And God says the devil is a liar. And he was a liar from the beginning. Isn't that what the Bible says? Now, be sure our sin will find us out in our conscience. It will control us in what we think. That happened to Cain because of jealousy in his mind, He's thinking. He killed Abel. It happened in David. He was full of lust. He committed murder and immorality. It happened to Judas because of greed. He turned and betrayed Christ. You think of Peter. Uh, Peter there, because of fear, he denied Christ and he ended up going up and out and wept bitterly. Demas, he was consumed with the attractions of this world that the grass was greener on the other side. <laughs> and he left the ministry in Apostle Paul. And I've seen too often in our memories, we'll say to ourselves, what have I done? How could I have done that? I've seen many that way, by the way. David said, my sin is ever before me. It's just like a picture. just keeps playing, keeps playing, and I just can't get away from it. Sin will find us out in our appearance. The way of the transgressor is hard. You know as well as I do, you see some of your old friends, even believers. And I, sometimes I think when you see them and you see how hard it's been, sin must some way offset our immune system. <laughs> to make us older like that it removes that fresh clean look in your life then sin will find us out in our character there are so many who have fallen once they were strong now they're weak truthful now a liar reliable now questionable clean now dirty a leader Now a slave. They've lost that. And Satan has taken down so many good people. I think of a guy who led uh, the Weigel Singers at Tennessee Temple. He used to be Dwight Eisenhower's secretary. He was a great man. And he could get a fleet of singing. I mean, you couldn't sit there without singing. I mean, he drew it out of you. He was tremendous then he had an affair with a boy. Yeah. And it just breaks your heart. The devil is it'll find you out in your character. Proverbs 633 says this here a wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. Then it will be found in our family. You see, our sin never just affects us. Achan, because of his sin, his whole family were stoned to death. Lot, because of his sin, he lost the whole city. Sodom and Gomorrah. Eli, because he didn't correct his children. He made a sham of the temple and their worship and their sacrifices. Example, David. Because of David's sin, his baby died. His son, Ammon, he was full of wild lust and he raped his half-sister. Then his brother, Absalom, had his brother, Ammon, killed. Absalom didn't love David. He hated David, led a rebellion to overthrow King David. Absalom openly and publicly had sexual acts with David's concubines and wives when he went into Jerusalem to take over when David had to flee. Later on, he had his long flowing hair, he got caught in the V of a tree, and as he's hanging there, one of David's captains went by and had a spear and ran it through him and killed him. It will find you out in your family. Sin will find us out in our testimony. It, it, The enemy just waits for us to fail. They love to tell jokes, and sometimes they're funny, I understand, but they love to tell jokes about Jim and Tammy Baker. She needs you to use less makeup. We understand that, right? Uh, Jimmy Swigert. You know, these people, man, they still tell jokes about it. They love it when the believer fails. And when David failed, 2 Samuel 12, 14. Howbeit, because by this deed, David, your immorality, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And we too often give those that are lost the opportunity. say, I told you that stuff's not real. And we lose credibility, our testimony. Amen? And also, it will show up in our future judgment. Not to condemn us, but loss of reward. John 2, verse 8, says something. I thought, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I, I, I think that's interesting. Romans 14.10, it states there, the last part of that verse, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Sin costs us. And the devil, he gets us to lessen the consequences of sin. And then the devil, he gets us to doubt and question God. He gets us to question God's word, his will, his way for our life. He'll come along and work on our minds sometime. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The devil works with our minds He'll say something like this, God's left you. He's not there anymore. Well, the word of God says that when you get saved, you're sealed with the spirit of God until the day of redemption. The devil says, people have hurt you. You need to get even. Well, the devil says, "Revengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I will repay. God's going to take care of it. Be not overcome of evil, overcome evil with good. And then the devil will whisper, look at what's happened to you. No good will come out of this. Well, we know that all things do work together for good to then to love God. And there's a reason we go through that stuff because the next verse says that we might be conformed to the image of his son. And then the devil says, God must not really love you after all. But the Bible says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And he gives that long, there's nothing the devil then says, How can you love your mate after what they did? And God says, You here without sin, you cast the first stone. Be you kind, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Then the devil, he'll come alone, he'll say, Listen, you've blown it now. Don't even try anymore. Where sin abounded. Huh? Grace. Did much more about. The devil, he'll say to us, You're not going to make it. You're too weak to try again. Do what I say. But God said He's working in me. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The devil says, Go after the things you want. Get all that the world can offer you. You'll be somebody then. But the Bible says all the things of the world shall pass away one day. Only what's done for Christ will last. He'll say, go after those things. Then he'll say, have a little sinful fun. It isn't that bad. It won't hurt. But the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And a lot of people focus on that leaven, but in reality, he says little It doesn't take much to spread to the rest. He says, trust your flesh, your feelings. If you desire to do it, do it. And God says, this is what the flesh is capable of. And he mentions those in Galatians 5, verse 17 through 19. Never, ever trust your flesh. Unless it's in agreement with the word of God. He'll say, go to the world's professional counselors. They're so much smarter. They have degrees. They know so much. But God's word, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. God's word says that he's given us everything that pertains unto life and to godliness through the knowledge or the word of God. You want to know what to do and what? should happen in our life the way God wants it to. It's in his word. And then the devil say, there's no solutions or answers to your situation problems. But the word says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common. And then he goes on to state, he won't put on you more than you can handle. That's God's promise to us. And the devil is relentless. But I want you to remember something. Just remember these verses if you could. Hebrews 2, 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Christ, also likewise uh, himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Christ has defeated him. Amen? Colossians 2, 15 and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, the cross. When he died, he made an open display of the failures of the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness by the cross. First John 3, 8 says this, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the reason he came. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you, Christ, than he that is in the world, the devil. Amen? We are on the victor's side. Thus, Ephesians six ten eleven. 11, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the traps, the deceptions of the devil. And so the next time you feel like you are being attacked, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of, what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. We don't have to fear. God's not giving us the spirit of fear. If I start to fear, it's not coming from God. It's coming from the other side. I close with this illustration. Some of you are worried. You were kind of slapping your watches back there. Don't get nervous. But I want to tell you a story, a true one. Barcelona, Spain, the Olympics, 1992 an unknown name by the name of Derek Redmond after the race he became known throughout the world he became an icon of the spirit of the Olympics they wanted him to light the Olympic torch the following year Derek Redmond was from a small island the race that he ran wasn't even in the finals He was actually favored to win an Olympic medal. He was fast. The race was 400 meters. It started, and into that first corner, that first curve, Derek was leading. All of a sudden, Derek grabbed the back of his leg, excruciating pain dropping him to one knee. Tears flowing down his face. This was his dream. He had trained for this moment for years. This was his race. This was his time. Medical people were running toward Derek. He saw them, struggled up to his feet. He started hobbling around to finish what he had started. All the eyes were on Redmond in agonizing pain. Even a security man tried to stop him by reasoning, but Redmond pushed him aside. With all he had, fought to finish the race in lane five. That's the lane he was in. Say lane five. Lane five. But about 150 meters, 200 meters left is a long way on one leg. Each step, becoming more difficult, he began Hopping. All his strength was gone. It looked as if he couldn't go any longer. It was then at that moment that a large man came down from the stands and embraced Redmond. It was his father. His father, putting his arm around his son, said, We're going to finish this together. Just before crossing the finish line, Derek he started wiping the tears from his eyes, and his dad, his dad prevented him from doing that. He said, There's no reason to do that. There are tears of determination. Nothing to be hid. Tears of courage. Tears of two men fighting to finish what one man had begun. Together, they finished. The race. No, Derek Redmond, he won no race. He broke no record. He received no medal. But when he crossed the finish line, all 65,000 spectators in attendance, including athletes, coaches, millions of TV viewers, stood on their feet, yelling, cheering, many sobbing. In less than a few moments, Derek Redmond became an international symbol. And perhaps you here today, you've been hit by the devil. You've fallen short in what you dream that you would do as a believer. You've gotten off track. You've been told or encouraged to quit the race. But something inside of you just won't let you. Even though you've been knocked down hard, there's something inside of you moving you to fight, to get back up, hobble, and try. And remember, always, there's one who sees you. He will stand there to help you. He will meet you in lane five. When you can't go any longer, he's there to help you to finish it. If you let him today, you'll hear him in your heart whisper, we're going to finish this race together. The Lord stands with open arms ready to embrace you. It's not too late. Your race is not over yet. Get up and fight. Fight for your faith. Fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your church. Fight for your Savior. But all, fight. And when you do, I personally believe there will be applause going on in glory. If the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents, I can only imagine what they do when a child of God who's been led astray, they know all about the devil, but that child of God gets up and resists him and says, I'm going on for him. I've been there many times in my life. I don't know about you. But God says, get up. It's lane five time. Let's finish this race. Father, we love you. We thank you for grace. We're thankful that when we do sin, grace abounds. It goes beyond our sin, even. I'm grateful that when we get saved, all of our sin is forgiven immediately. But, Lord, we continue to sin, and we reap what we sow, and sin hurts us. The devil has fooled us, trapped us, But God, may our eyes be open today. That's the devil's purpose. But you have another one. And that's for us to be enlightened, to get up, and say, I can, with God's help, finish this race and be what God wants me to be. Speak to hearts today. If there's somebody here that's never been saved, may they see that Christ loved them, died for them, and rose again. May they believe in him today. And for that child of God who's been hoodwinked by Satan's tactics, I pray that the day they come out from that and be obedient to Christ. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you is our prayer.